back to now. Spider two wide banana. The line slides to the left. Watch the young back cut down the defensive end, but there's a beautiful banana. There's three quarterbacks in this football team. Whichever one starts, starts. Whichever one don't, we'll back them out. Period. Cut and dry. Next. Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Welcome to the TW Podcast. Today, I'll have my friend Matt Marshall join the podcast. Uh, we are going to talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, we'll go through uh, parts of the movie we really enjoyed, uh, as well as talk about, uh, you know, odds and ends uh, of other movies towards the end of our uh, 35, 40-minute conversation today. Uh, today is April 23rd, Thursday. Uh, that means the start of the 2020 NFL Draft will be tonight. Uh, pretty excited about it. As you can tell by uh, all my New York Jets stuff I got on today, uh, you know I'm expecting the New York Jets to make a pretty good uh, draft pick today. Uh, if they don't, I'll be rather upset. Uh, but I'll probably go into the NFL Draft, go over probably the top 10, 12 players, um, or at least the ones that everybody's talking about. I uh, won't we'll go into a full who I think is getting drafted where. Uh, but I'll probably talk about the New York Jets pick, who I think they should pick. We'll see who they actually do. Uh, but uh, that will be the podcast for today. As always, we'll have the Netflix movie of the week, as well as a quick three and out. Uh, but here we go. Let's get right into my uh, conversation with uh, Matt Marshall. All right. Now joining us on the podcast today, we got Matt Marshall. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Travis, happy to be here. Um, haven't seen you in a while. It's good to see you. I see that beard is nice and thick still, just like I like it. She's been growing. Um, but today, uh, me and Matt are going to talk about a movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Matt, what, you know, your initial reactions, you know, just, just we both watched it last night. Again, for, for me, it was probably like the third time. Uh, yeah. But, you know, just a quick uh, idea. How did you like this movie? Well, I'd like to start by saying I liked it a lot. I, I like most of Quentin Tarantino's movies, right? So I, I went in with a positive attitude. And honestly, if you're going to go watch a movie, that's, that's part of it, right? You, you got to – if you go in there thinking it's going to be not good, it's not going to be good, right? So, um, But I liked it a lot. The dialogue in all of his movies are great. And you put Brad Pitt and Leo in the same movie, and it's, it's going to be a hit. There's no question about that. That's where uh, in the movie, even the narrator, which is Kurt Russell, like, like everything about the way that actual conversations would go in real life is like how they go in a Quentin Tarantino movie, which I would say I'm a big Tarantino fan. I'm not saying I love every one of his movies, yep. but, uh, you know, I watch a lot of Inglorious Bastards. It's like one of those movies that if I'm bored, I'm watching it. Uh, but that's just Tarantino. But uh, let's get right into the nuts and bolts of things here. Uh, first of all, uh, you know, the runtime uh, is two hours and 41 minutes. How did you feel about two hours and 41 minutes? Uh, it, it doesn't bother me. If I like a movie, I'll watch a five hour long movie. Um, where we're at right now in the quarantine and with all this stuff, the longer the better, I think. Um, you know, I'll stay up till all hours tonight. It's kind of a weird time right now, right? Because it's, it's light later and later and later. And I don't want to start a movie like that when it's daylight outside, right? So I got to wait till 930 to start it and then I'm up till midnight or whatever. But again, at this point, day is night, night is day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're all the same to me. 
yeah, it's all blended together. We just got figured out. But I feel the same way. I mean, a lot of people would say the movie was kind of slow, which is fine. I like a slow build movie, which usually makes the ending that much better. Uh, but two hours and 41 minutes, I didn't feel like the movie was that long. It felt I was kept going in the storyline. But uh, here's the description of the movie. Uh, a faded television actor and his stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969 in Los Angeles, California. Summer of um, 69. Great summer. <laughs> great summer, right? Um, I mean, the movie takes place like they start telling the story a lot in like February of earlier that year and then get to August, uh, you know, kind of loosely going upon the, the, the family Manson murders and everything, which people, if you're listening to the podcast and uh, didn't think you're going to get spoiler alerts, let you know right now, you're going to get a spoiler alert, right? Well, I mean, I would say this, Travis. I would argue it's not a spoiler. I would think that the movie's better if you know the context, if you know that it's about kind of vaguely the Manson family, right? Like, if you don't, it to me, it, does, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. I, I'd have a tough time recommending this movie to somebody based on the length, based on the time, um, you know, the slow pace, like you said, and if they don't know it's about the Manson family and they don't have any background about that, about Sharon Tate and, and the murders and all that, it might not make sense, you know? Right. It, it might be a little harder to grasp, but you got to be a high-level movie watcher, I think, to, to really get everything out of Quentin Tarantino's movies. Uh, there's no question, because there's in a Quentin Tarantino movie, there are so many uh, Easter eggs throughout the movie, whether, you know, it's something to do with, um, like, the cigarettes they use in every movie or, like, the same brand. Like he uses the same brands in every movie, no matter if it's Django and Shane back in the day or something new. Red Apple made. Tobacco. Yeah. Like I like here's like a good one I noticed last night while watching it because I watched Glorious Bastards the other day. One of the movies when he goes to Italy and does the spaghetti western, the director's name is Antonio Magaretti. Which if you Magaretti. Magaretti. So, <laughs> so I was sitting there, I'm like Oh, that was the guy, the fake director. They were they're pitching in Glorious Bastards. Like this is, like just those little things that tie things in. I really enjoy. Like I wouldn't even picked up. Like first time I watched, it, I didn't even pick up on it. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things. If you watch a couple of Quentin Tarantino movies back to back, you pick up on some things. And, um, and a lot of the same actors too, right? I mean, you know, Leo was in D Django, uh, Four Horse Sally or whatever from from The Hateful Eight. Right. Is uh, is Kurt Russell's wife. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this one. Bell. Yep, yep. Just, and I'm with you. Like, it's great. so much it, that goes on. Yeah. Um, you know who the, this movie is kind of split up into like three perspectives. The entire movie. You know, you got the Rick Dalton character by Leonardo DiCaprio. You got Brad Pitt's character. Um, what the hell was his name? Cliff Booth. Cliff Booth, which Cliff <laughs> Booth might be one of my favorite characters of all time. I, I love, he just, you know, and, well, can I, can I, can I add something here? Of course you can. I, I like, he's almost too good to be true. Cause he's just a cool cat. Doesn't really give a crap what's going on. He's just driving around being a beauty, but then there's this little nugget that he may or may not have murdered his wife and got away with it. Like it, it means nothing to the movie, but it kind of gives you that question mark. Okay. Maybe he's not squeaky clean, cool guy, but I just love it. Right. Yeah. Like everything they tell you about the guy, you just love everything instantly about him. Like he's got a dog, just loves his dog. He's great with the dog. He's yep. 
And then, you know, the only negative things they show are that he might have killed his wife, which <laughs> he was like, they talk about how he was a war hero. I mean, they kind yeah. of like go into all these things and like, oh, he's good dude. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, just the way that he goes throughout beating the hell out of people just yeah. shows you there's a little bit of shit to him. Just carry, just carries himself, you know, with confidence. But, he, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, right, walks softly, carry a big stick. Like, he will beat your ass if he has to. And one of the best parts I thought, or, or one of the parts that I thought was hilarious, he drops Leo off, or drops uh, Rick Dalton off at the movie set, goes home to fix his satellite, grabs a beer, puts it in the holster, does some parkour stuff to get up onto the roof, pops his shirt off, drinks a beer, smokes a cigarette, fixes the cable. Like, to me, it was just hilarious. Fixes the satellite. That's for, like, there, there's so many, like, if you ask me, I mean, Brad Pitt won the Oscar for his supporting role, and it was his yep. first one he ever won. It makes sense. Like, you cared, like, the lead actor in this movie is Rick Dalton, played by Leo. But, like, mm-hmm. you like Cliff Booth more than you like anybody else in the movie because the third person's view is Sharon Tate's view of everything going on. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's such a slow build, like, like Rick Dalton's character to me is like just their friendship, their buddy, buddy friendship is like a, a legit friendship. Like that's one, like me and you would have, like, there's some, there's some play back and forth. There's some fun. There's some laughter. Um, <laughs> there's going to be some beers. Like there's those aspects of everything. You gotta be. Yeah. That, like, that is a great relationship they have. Like, like yeah, there's I, the it's, scene, it's, the scene where he's sitting there watching uh, the FBI show that he's on, like the premiere of the show. And, like, they're showing, like, what's going on. And then all you hear is, like, their dialogue of, like, them breaking down. He's like, man, that was badass. I just shot. I like that angle. Like, yep, all that yep. kind of but stuff. It, like, that's how you talk with your buddy. Like, the Rick Dalton sees some guy. He goes, man, that guy's a jerk. I hate that guy. Like, that's just how dudes talk. And that's where, you know, the Quentin Tarantino deal. Like, it's how real people are. It's not just uh, perfect movie magic on it. Right. And he, and he captures it, too, you know, when they – the end of the era when he has to fire him or not fire him, but they have to part ways. And there's only one way to, to get, you know, to end this relationship and that's have a good old drunk. <laughs> and they just suck back margaritas all night. That's, that's good stuff. It's true. The only way to go out. So, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, we kind of covered it. I think we'd both say that our favorite character was Cliff Booth. Um, you know, but like, there's so yeah. many like just random characters that show up that are just dynamite. Like Al Pacino is just out of nowhere. Like you didn't expect to see Al Pacino. There he is. And he's just playing this guy who just really wants Rick Dalton to get himself into these uh, Italian movies, as he likes to say in the movie. Um, You know, there's just a bunch of like, I wouldn't say always big names, but like even like Luke Perry and all these guys, like it's a cast that's like ridiculous. Like if they were all getting paid full salary, you wouldn't be able to afford the movie kind of deal. But since you're Quentin Tarantino, everybody wants to be part of something you do. So like, yep, like exactly. Woodwork. Kurt Russell, I mean, he's a huge name. Uh, Margot Robbie is choice, you know. Choice. And, and she, yeah, like, I looked up. Uh, you know, I wanted to get a little more information. Before I, for the record, I did my research. And I, I wanted to be knowledgeable on this podcast, and I, uh, I had to pay twenty dollars to watch that movie last night. So whenever, whenever you, whenever you can reimburse me, go ahead and send it my way. But. Uh, Margot Robbie actually kind of sort of looks like Sharon Tate looked in 1969. So that was, that was kind of cool. Like they have the similar features. Um, Cause I had no clue, right? I didn't really know who Sharon Tate was. I knew the name, right. you know, but yeah. Well, I brought it to a next level. Cause I also watched uh, uh, kind of the actual family Manson, like the murders and like 
Uh, there was a show I was watching on Amazon Prime that kind of went through like the whole gambit of what went on. Like in the movie, they don't really touch much on Charlie Manson like at all. Now there's a couple right. of deleted scenes apparently uh, oh. that deal with more of him in in the movie, but was kind of just like on the cutting room floor. Like it doesn't really play into the storyline, but you know, the entire movie, like we're sitting there and like, for me, I already know what happened in the family Manson murder. So like, I'm just sitting there like, Oh, I know what it's coming down to. Like, you know, the entire, the entire time, like, you know, what's going to happen. But, then, but I think that makes it better. You know what I mean? 100%. Like if, if you never heard the name Sharon Tate, you, you know, they never really directly referenced Charles Manson. You know what I mean? So you, you got to know a little bit. I, I was watching it with a buddy last night. Um, our quarantine buddy. It's, we like we share a backyard so you know we only see each other but and he you know the first scene he goes oh is this a western i'm like oh god hit pause <laughs> had to explain it to him you know what i mean like what is happening not what's happening but that it's about these murders like, oh charles manson okay okay whatever you know right now uh a side note right now okay i also read quentin tarantino has already written five episodes for bounty law to be a tv show <laughs> Based on the TV show that Rick made Rick Dalton famous in the fifties, I'll 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 pay whatever it costs to watch that spinoff on Amazon Prime or whatever it may be. <laughs> no doubt. But I read that and I was like super pumped up about it. Like, you know, kind of like you get to the but back to where I was with you know the slow build. Like you expect you know what's going to happen. I, the first time I saw it, I went I saw it in the movie theaters with my brother who does not like Quentin Tarantino movies was not exactly gung-ho to go with me. Um, but by the end of the movie, he loved it. Because, like, you think you know what's going to happen at the end. Like, completely think you know. Yeah, for sure. Because it, it's history, right? Like, right. it and happened, like, but I like the twist on it. Because the entire movie, you're sitting there, you're like, this is not a Quentin Tarantino movie. I haven't seen, like, ridiculous amount of blood being thrown around. Or, you know, like, the, the dialogue's very Quentin Tarantino, but there's no craziness to it yet. And then yeah. all the way up to like the last 15 minutes is just like brutal murder. Yeah. Scene. Like, so the, the dog, again, these are spoilers now at this point, folks, right? Like it is what it is. <laughs> the dog shredding that guy to pieces. One, the absolute tight spiral that Brad Pitt throws at that soup or that dog food can at that girl's nose is hilarious. And then when he smashes that redhead's girl's face on every surface of the room, I was laughing my face off, but it was still kind of intense because you're like, I don't want, I don't want Rick Dalton or Clint Booth to die, you know. Right. <laughs> well, that's the. I mean, during the whole scene, like the Cliff Booth character right now is on an acid dip cigarette, so like he <laughs> is like legitimately out of it, but just starts to remember when he went to the Spawn movie ranch when he went out there and basically saw everybody. Which that scene in general, you know, let's kind of back it up to that scene. Yep. Because, Reel it back. Yeah. So, like, when he goes to this this spot, you're sitting there and you're like, "Man, this is eerie. Like, something's gonna happen." This is one of the scenes in the movie where you're like, "Okay, he wants to go see George Spawn, who's the guy who owns the ranch." Like, they think he, in his mind, he's either dead or something's going on in a fashion. Yeah. And like, sure. and it kind of everybody's is, right? playing it's it off. Like, yeah. you think that he's dead. Like. He yeah. starts walking to that back room and like, he's taking his time. Like he's really like drowning every ounce of us to like, dude, what is he going to see when he opens this door? And when he first opens it, all he sees is the body laying on the bed. And you're like, 
dude, he's going to turn him over. He's just going to be like just a, a rotted corpse. Color, just dead as yeah. a corpse. Like it just turns out he's blind. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, that's, I, I like the point that you brought out there. Cause that, that is an intense scene in the movie. You know, something weird is happening. All those dirty hippies are staring at him in the distance there. Like that, that was kind of creepy, but I love how Clint Booth is just steady as a, well, the, the best part was is, like there's a rat on a sticky trap and they're like screeching he just like looks at it like he gets instantly uncomfortable like yeah. looking at what's going on he's like do i even really want to go back there but he's like i'm clint booth like i have to go back there but again rewinding even even the uh dakota fanning is in that movie in that little yeah. scene like she I mean, is, she's she's one of the big time uh you know child stars of our generation there's no doubt about that and even part of that hippie group, uh, if you know who Kevin Smith is, the guy from Jane Silent yeah. Bob, his oh, yeah. daughter, who's kind of an actor, she's in there as well. And which oh, okay. he's in the new Jane Silent Bob, which will be a whole different movie for a whole different time, a whole different <laughs> audience out there. Um, Speaking of Silent Bob, if I cross my eyes, you guys are absolutely indistinguishable. That's uh, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment today. Yeah. Um, but uh, just. Even like after he goes, he talks to George. George's like, there's nothing wrong with me. I enjoy my time here. Leave me the hell alone. And he leaves. Like instantly, everybody in Spawn Ranch hates him. Yeah. And he's got to walk to his car, which is at least 100 yards away. And which by the time he rolls up to that car, there's a knife in his wheel, which is not even his car. It's Rick Dalton's car. <laughs> and he just sees this hippie sitting on this, just on this fence post, just, just laughing and chucking it up. And then just another scene of this is a bad dude. Like <laughs> I watched the scene because I couldn't stop laughing when Cliff Booth goes and gives him one punch. Like, yeah. The dude goes off his feet and they just show the feet going in the air and he just falls. It, it reminds me, it reminds me of the Brad Pitt from Snatch or the Brad Pitt from Fight Club. Yes. You know what I mean? Just punching from his, from his hip, hitting the guy square. Oh, oh. And just gets him in there. I mean, that was, I mean, there's there's that scene. I really enjoy that one. And yeah. I, I can't remember if this was before that scene or I think it was because it was when he was fixing the house where he does the flashback. Uh, yes. And he goes to the set of the Green Hornet and he's got a he's going to get into a battle with Bruce Lee, which um, I don't even think at any point in time in the movie they call him Bruce or Bruce Lee. They just call him Cato. Yep. Um, but I heard Bruce Lee's daughter was upset that her dad was portrayed in such a terrible way but and he I mean, was like it, the fact like do i believe bruce lee sat there uh, on a movie set and was cocky and said he could beat up cassius clay yeah i bet you he did say something like that and the way that cliff booth responded to it like you're not you wouldn't just be you'd be staying on the man's trunks as he stood yeah over, like just call calls him to the carpet immediately laughs in his face like that, that was a good scene. I, and actually, I, I took some notes. Like I said, I took this seriously. I took some notes last night. And that I put scene versus Bruce Lee and a big smiley face because that might be my favorite scene in the whole oh, movie. No, that's what, that, it was my favorite scene, too, just because yeah. he's so ridiculous in it. He's like, I, like, when he starts making fun of martial artists, he just calls them, you fancy dancers. Yeah. <laughs> and like, then the Australian gal comes out, uh, Kurt Russell's wife, and yells at him, and I'll handle this. And then he word for word recites what she said. <laughs> no doubt. And like, uh, the best part is like when he kicks, when Bruce Lee kicks him in the chest and he falls to the ground, try that again. Like, one, 
anybody who's ever told you to try that again, they've obviously got a counter move to like, what, what are you doing, Bruce? Come right. at him with the left instead of the right. Give him some change up here. Gives him the exact same thing and he just whips him into that car. Yeah, that is great. <laughs> but you watch that, watch it again when he, when he kicks him. You watch Brad Pitt just kind of take it and fall down. And he looks like, and I don't know, I'm not a, I'm not a movie uh, behind the scenes, you know, official or anything. But he looks like I would imagine a hitman would take, or a hitman, a, a stuntman would take a hit. You know what I mean? Right. He hits it, hits the ground. Pops right back up. Like, that was nothing. You know, he falls down all the time. Oh, that was good. I mean, even just before, like, you just listen to Bruce Lee do all this this cocky bravado stuff. Like, he's sitting there just drinking a carton of milk in his wardrobe. I mean, just everything about the scene is, like, spot on because, like, basically Rick stuck his neck out for him to get him yeah. this job. And he couldn't even keep it together for 25 minutes. Like, right. he had to get into a fight with him. But mm-hmm. like, that's one of my favorite scenes of the movie as well as when Cliff goes to Spawn Ranch. Um, but let's get to that ending, because, like, as I said, like, it was such a big buildup. Yeah. Like, just when the door, like, first just Rick Dalton going out there, uh, basically in his robe with his, like, his blender-mixed margarita, and, like, he goes and he just tells these hippies to get out of there, and he's like, now back this out of here now. <laughs> just, just yells at him, sucking that thing down, and, like, Oh, Leo is just great. You know what I mean? It was spectacular. Spectacular. Most of the time, any show, any movie you watch, somebody trying to act like they're drunk is terrible, and you see right through it. Leonardo DiCaprio might have been drunk. You know what I mean? It was perfect. I was laughing so hard, just yelling at these dirty hippies. Like, gets right in his window, too, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, like, not shy at all. Like, not not scared of what could have happened. I mean, that's... Looking at his window. This is a private road. What the... You know? (laughs) Loved it. So it scares them away. They back out, back down the driveway, and then they realize, like, dude, that was that was the dude from Bounty Law. And then they all start like talking in the car, like how he used to have his lunchbox, how he was his favorite show, and all this stuff. And then the one girl in the back seat's like, "Yeah, instead of murdering that people, let's just go there. They're the fascists we need to get. They mm-hmm. taught us how to kill." And you're sitting there, you're like, "Oh man, Cliff Booth's about to have some fun in this deal." <laughs> But, you know, he's out for a walk with his dog, Brandy, and he's smoking his acid dip cigarette. So, you know, like, for a second, you're like, dude, like, he might just be out of it. So, like, you're like, man, he might actually get beat. Like, this could be interesting. Right. That Yeah. Yep. That's the fear you have. Like, oh, I don't want my favorite character to die because he happens to be smoking the one acid cigarette that he has for six months. <laughs> right. Gets in. Uh, you know, they start walking up the way. The one girl takes off in the car. So now they're up by themselves. They got to go take care of the business and basically try to like verbatim use the same game plan that they had in the original family Manson murders, just in a different people and walk in there and just Brad Pitt on the ass dip cigarette, just like freaking out, like, Oh yeah. (laughs) He's just like, wait a second. I know you. I remember your white little face. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that hair color. Like, you had a name like Rex. <laughs> and he's just giggly Rex. the whole time. That's what too. it was. Yeah. Just everything about that scene is hilarious. Right. But you know something bad's about to happen. Like, it is it's spot on. Like, great. And <laughs> just, as we said before, 
the, the montage, like he sticks his dog after the guy with the gun and his dog is literally tearing that dude to shreds. Yeah. And he throws the best spiral of uh, a can into somebody's face to like, ink, ink, just just stop them. Like she falls to the ground, like her face is like already smushed. Ugh. And, you know, the whole fight ensues in which it is just, the worst way you could die, like there's three ways in a row that you could die, and those are the three deaths of these people extreme. Like, yeah. Like we already talked about the crow getting her face bashed in, which was just gruesome as all get out. But the look that when he was touching the knife in his hip, like he was yeah. instantly mad, like you're going to pay for this and just beat <laughs> He taps it in. He, he taps it a few times. In which it's just crazy. And then all of a sudden you get to, um, you know, the other girl's like trying to run away and she breaks through the glass and which when she breaks through the glass, all the glass ends up in her face somehow. Like, like literally this girl is having the worst luck out of anybody else there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause she got, she got torn apart by that dog. He sucked, sick the dog on her for a minute too, with a quick snap of the fingers, which was great. And, and Rick Dalton just listened to his headset falls off. And, and then just one of those, those timely little moments where they they put this little scene from a movie early on, the 14 fists of McCluskey, where he used a flamethrower. For some reason, he kept the flamethrower right. in the backyard, you know, just despite sheer luck. And, and it still worked, thank God. <laughs> it just toasts her. And, you know, just like that whole scene, and then, like, at the end, where the police get there and the other three are dead and Cliff's getting taken off in the ambulance and like, they're just like chill. Like they're not yeah, freaking well, out. You go to sleep. Come see me tomorrow. Bring some bagels. I'll be in the hospital. Like just so nonchalant. And then finally, you know, Rick Dalton gets to basically the whole movie. He wants to be a great movie star. And he thinks yep. like Roman Polanski is like one of the bigger guys at that time. Like, when I first heard the name Roman Polanski, I don't know who you are. And you're dressed no. like Austin Powers in the scene. Like, I can't handle you for a minute. Go, go ahead and Google that name and you'll be like, oh, but movies I'd watch. But no. gets to go There's up there. There's more to that guy. Like, I mean, everything about this movie was spot on for me. Like, even the soundtrack. Yeah. Like, if I don't hear, like, if you're going to plan a movie in the 1960s, the only way I know as a human being, if it's in the 1960s, if you play uh, Deep Purple Hush, and I instantly know it's the 60s. Like, the same thing for Bad Times with El Royale. They play that song, yeah. I'm like, we're in the 60s. Like, I know the okay, era. Okay, here we are. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of where you're at. Um, but, I mean, even – I mean, they had some Bob Seger in there, like, Rambling Gambling Man. Like, I, just the soundtrack itself was getting me juiced and up. And Tarantino, like, not just the the dialogue and the violence and the gore, but he's got some little things in his movies, like the soundtrack and the um, little things that they're doing, opening a pop can, how it zooms right in on the can and he pops it open, or the dog food, or on, uh, on Django when he's filling up the beers behind the bar, Doc Schultz, you know what I mean? Where you just really get into it, you hear these little sounds and these little close-ups on stuff that, to me, I, I love it. And I again, I'm not a cinematography guy; I don't know these things, but I just I know I appreciate it. Right. Um, but for me, like this was an instant classic. Like, Agreed, hundred percent. Instant. Like there was two movies that came out in 2019 
that slid up and they both didn't win movie of the year and the Oscars and whatever. But like once upon a time in Hollywood instantly went into the top 10 and then the Joker, which is another movie for another time to talk about slid its way up there for me in the top 10 too. Like this was just a, it was a fun movie to watch. Like it's the slow build. There's comedy aspects in it to make you laugh parts to make you feel uneasy like a typical tarantino movie but it was great i loved it i agree it was great and i loved it too the the um i like that it reminds you that you're at the movies you know what i mean right some of them some of these intense movies that you're watching that if it's like intense and yeah you're there and you want to make it seem real but this one it's kind of funny it's got like you said uh kurt russell doing the narrating and it you know is a little ridiculous it reminds you i'm at the movies i'm here to have a good time you know and it 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 did not disappoint. Let's just say that. Where I got a question for you. Where does it land on all time Tarantino movies for you? Uh, and Glorious Bastards is still really high up for me because uh, I still think that's my favorite one. I would say it's yep. in the top three now. Okay. Because I like Pulp Fiction, but I think Pulp Fiction gets this uh, like it's the best movie ever made. A lot of people give that thing, and I'm like, like I really really like Pulp Fiction. Like it's it's top but like i'm not a big fan of reservoir dogs like i liked reservoir right. dogs but i didn't like love it great thing with uh like hateful eight like yeah like i liked it i thought there were some good parts to it but you know that inglorious bastards to me like everything about that movie was uh being world war ii and doing the nazi stuff and all that kind of stuff like it just instantly hit me like this is this is great and like every like, he likes to do historically accurate things. Accurate. But, like, put his spin on it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what makes it good. Um, I had to look up, like, did Hitler actually die in a theater like that? <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I didn't know. Like, like I love that movie. Like, just, yeah, just quite, I agree. you know, like, I, like, Django Unchained's up there. Like, I remember watching Django Unchained for the first time. I was like, this is a really good movie. Like, my, my wife does not like Quentin Tarantino movies because she's uh, always scared of things. And, Anything with bloods and guts is going to like creep her out. And in the Tarantino movie, it might be flying across room and being crazy. Like, and splatter on someone's face for yeah, sure. I would say like, like blood in Quentin Tarantino movies, like shoot 15 feet. Like, it's, yeah, it's one of those deals. But, you know, l- let's go to what the, the professionals say on their ratings here. Okay. The, the Rotten Tomato fresh score was 85%. Which I feel is a little low. I would at least think it's in the 90s. But the audience score was 70%. You know, I, I fine, right? Like, I, I, I consider myself, and you, we've had conversations about this many times off camera. We're movie right. guys, yeah. you know? Quentin Tarantino made this movie for movie guys and girls, right? He didn't, it's not just your average, and granted, it is because he's trying to make money on the thing, but we're going to appreciate it a little bit more. And I, I knew that watching it, you know, like I said, I, my buddy I watched it with yesterday, he probably said, eh, yeah, it was, it was worth two hours of my time right. and left. You know? So I don't care what the audience says. I don't care what anybody says. I thought it was great. And I, you got to trust Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, instincts on something like this, you know? Right. So you going to star in a movie that's not great? I, I don't think so. And now before the entire Rona went down, I did take a, uh, trip to los angeles into the hollywood yes. area yeah i toured some movie studios uh watching last night it was the first time i watched it after coming back so that was a couple months ago mm-hmm. um 
I realized that I was in some of the locations that they were filming. So like where Paramount Studios is, um, like the where he picks Cliff up from after the day of shooting is right in the spot where you'd go in for the tour of the studio, uh, which I thought was awesome. Because I can't remember if it was on that lot of Warner Brothers, the the Mexican restaurant that Cliff and Rick go to is actually the restaurant that's right next to it. So the I wish I could remember the name, but yeah. And I'm like, I look at, it, I'm like, it is like you look at it, um, and it's like a steakhouse that's frequented by many of celebrities because they have great food there now, and I think it's a barbecue joint. Yeah. So, okay. Um, but like Tarantino, he spent like. Hollywood Boulevard to shoot the one scene where Rick kind of, or not Rick, but Cliff goes through the whole thing. Like they, mm-hmm. they renovated Hollywood Boulevard to look like 1969, <laughs> like three whole, three or four whole blocks. So, I mean, and they kept doing this on multiple things. Like they wanted to make it look like old Hollywood. Cause he was like, this was his love story for Hollywood. Um, yeah, exactly. Hollywood people, would probably appreciate it more than you or I, but granted, right. you know, you've been there, never been out there, but I, I could see, you can see that, you know what I mean? I can right. see what he's going for, which is awesome. Well, that's what, I mean, you need to get yourself to Hollywood at some point and go on a movie tour and kind of get the idea of like how they actually shoot movies. And it kind of like blows your mind where you're like, Oh my, like how, like this is ridiculous. Like what movie was I watching the other day? There's an, uh, hail Caesar. I watched, it was on Netflix and, uh, it was based on them making a movie in a, it's a comedy with the Coen brothers, but okay. the guy gets, uh, the lead actor gets kidnapped, who's George Clooney and they have a <laughs> ransom out, but they kind of like go through the sets and like, uh, places. And like, when you go on a movie set and you see how movies really get made, you know, most of the movies today get made on location, not, uh, in the studio lots, but a lot of the parts, um, in the old movies were made on the lot. So in that movie, uh, in Hollywood, uh, you really see how they would shoot on, like you, we saw the Western town, like they would shoot the entire show that they would do there. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the love of, uh, Hollywood and making movies in which, you know, other than football movies is probably my next love. So, I mean, it's the same thing for you. Hockey's probably your number one. And then movies, right. I mean, me and you have talked so much movie and movie topics over the last four years, uh, and the nice thing about it is the reason why I got you on the podcast is you don't always agree with me with what's a good movie. So at least uh, we agree on, I would say 75%, but then there's that 25% where you look at me and go, that's a kid's movie. Well, the Marvel. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the poster in your background right now. You know, and I don't want you to get uh, too upset about that. Cause you know, those are phenomenal films. I'm sure they're great. But I mean, you can suspend your belief for Batman, but you can't do it for, you know, the Avengers. I get it. Yeah, we, I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? The, the, the Cape Crusader is my guy. <laughs> well, The Dark Knight is, you know, probably one or two movie of all time in my mind. But, you know, that's yeah. the difference. We could go one, maybe one day we give these people a little bit about our top ten. Now, it takes <laughs> a lot to make your top ten because mine seems to have 50 movies in my top ten. Um. Well, that's, I mean, it's impossible, right? You'd have to spend a, a year researching because you just forget one here or there. You know what I mean? You got, you got to keep a running list at some point and, and reevaluate all this. But well, I, yeah, the Dark Knight, I, I, here's the deal. I love things that live up to expectation. You know what I mean? LeBron James is supposed to be the best basketball player ever. He is, right? Sidney Crosby for hockey the same way. 
the Dark Knight coming out, it was supposed to be the greatest movie ever. And then it was. I just love yeah. things that live up to your expectations when they're very high. <laughs> <laughs> there's no doubt but all right man we're about to go down a deep dark tunnel uh where it could be we talk about a lot of things uh that are different movies but uh really enjoyed the conversation really glad you did your research because it's a lot easier to talk to somebody who uh doesn't just give me uh nothing to talk about uh so appreciate you coming on the podcast uh, absolutely had a great time you know, once my brother hears this, he's going to ask why he wasn't invited to come talk on the show about <laughs> movies. You know, maybe one time uh, we get, you know, three guys in here and we talk about a movie or, you know, we go over lists or whatever we want to do. But appreciate your time, Matt. And uh, you have a good day, man. Thanks for having me, Travis. It was a great time. And uh, you, you stay safe, stay healthy. And, and we'll see you when this whole thing's over on the golf course. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, let's get into the NFL draft. All right, it's going to be the first time, uh, kind of a virtual uh, NFL draft. Uh, I'm expecting technical difficulties across the board. They're expecting all these picks and all these kids to set up uh, this equipment uh, and nothing go off with a hitch. Uh, just knowing uh, how things go in the technical sense of things, uh, nothing ever goes according to plan. Uh, so I expect there will be some difficulties tonight. Uh, it was supposed to be in Las Vegas. Uh, it's really going to stink for those kids who don't get that opportunity to come out on that stage, kind of that big stage, usher you into uh, the NFL. Uh, but we got to keep people safe out there. So uh, just something we've got to deal with. Uh, but let's go over. I want to go over the top 11, okay? My New York Jets pick at number 11. I want to include 11 instead of 10, all right? Uh, let's just kind of go down the line, 1 through 11 here. Uh, these are the teams that are going to pick in this order as of right now. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, Washington Redskins, Detroit Lions, the New York Giants, Miami Dolphins, the L.A. Chargers, uh, the Carolina Panthers, the Arizona Cardinals, Jacksonville Jaguars, the Cleveland Browns, and the New York Jets. Um, I expect uh, there to be some trades within this top 11. Um, I'll get into my own personal Jets pit, you know, what I expect to happen, um, but we'll get into that. But at number one, I think without a question, without a doubt, uh, Burrow is going to be the number one pick, all right? Um, I just don't see uh, anybody else, uh, like, you don't let a guy like, uh, you know, Joe Burrow fall, okay? You pick Joe Burrow is what you do, okay? Um Andy Dalton has served his purpose in the league. Uh, he's, he's not a top-tier guy. I think Joe Burrow has the ability to be a top guy in the NFL. Uh, he won't be at first. And there's nobody who starts the NFL quarterback that's just uh, the best quarterback ever. All right? But he's got a shot. All right? So uh, I think uh, Joe Burrow at number one, without question, without doubt. All right? Number two. All right? The Redskins sit on number two. Um this one's this one's crazy. I think there's going to be a lot of trade value here. I think they could still get. I think they could trade back uh, and still get a pick unless they really want Chase Young. Chase Young is the second uh, or first best uh, prospect in the draft uh, from Ohio State. He is a he is a monster defensive end. He can he can do a lot of different things for you. He can make a lot of things happen. Um, you know, could they trade back? I could see that happening. 
Um, but let's just keep moving on, all right? Um, you know, number three, uh, Jeff Acuna from Ohio State. Uh, you know, they're really, really high. Uh, Jeff Acuna saying he is one of the top um, rated corners of just looking at through the draft of all time. I mean, I wouldn't go that that extreme. I mean, there's Deion Sanders in the world and Darrell Revis is out in the world uh, who are very uh, high caliber as well. Um, but he's a very good corner. He's the best in the draft. He will be a top five pick for sure. Um, number four, Isaiah Simmons. He's a linebacker from Clemson. Uh, now, this guy, he could do a lot of different things. He can play a lot of different positions. He can play uh, linebacker. He can play defensive end. Hell, he could even play a nickel out there. I mean, this kid is athletic. He can run. He is violent. Um, you know, he's the best linebacker in the draft. Um, whatever team is looking to get him will be uh, very satisfied, all right? Uh, number five, all right, Tua, the quarterback from Alabama. If I could say his last name correctly, I would say it, but I'm going to refer to him as Tua, all right? Just about everybody else in the uh, community out there just knows Miss Tua, so I think it's uh, it's acceptable. Um, a lot of people think Tua is going to drop. Uh, I think if trades start happening, uh, he could end up uh, in a top five pick situation, uh, especially with Miami sitting there at five. Uh, you know, I don't see the Detroit Lions taking him at three. They really, you know, they got Stafford. They're set there right now, unless they want to build for the future. But two is the next best quarterback after Burrow. Um, he had a very successful career, got hurt. Um, you know, I'm, I expect him to go in the top ten. A lot of people think that he's going to slip out of the top ten. I think a guy with that talent, that caliber, I, I just can't see that happening. Uh, you know, number six uh, in talent-based, Derek Brown. All right, he's a D-tackle from Auburn. He's a very physical player, uh, right as the highest. Uh, inside D lineman of the draft, he's pretty good. All right, uh, number seven. All right, this the tackles in this class are. This is a very strong tackle class for the the NFL. I mean, there is there is three. We might see four or five offensive tackles get picked off the board today, um, and that makes me excited as an offensive line coach. I want to see the big guys, especially with these high draft picks. I remember back in the day. Uh, when the Jets drafted DeBrickashaw Ferguson at four, uh, didn't even look back. Like That was one of the greatest picks they've ever made. He was a very talented player for a long time. And later on in that draft, they drafted Nick Mangold. They like picked 28, picked two old linemen in their two number one overall draft picks, and both those guys were staples for him for a long time. Um, but we'll get into that. But um, Makai Becton, I think, is the best tackle prospect out of the group. All right? Um, you know, he's from Louisville, um, he's got size, he's got ability, he's strong in the run game, he can pass protect, you know, I think he's the most well-rounded uh, out of them all, um, but next in with Jaderic Wills, you know, at eight here, he's the tackle from off um, uh, from Alabama, uh, you know, a lot of people, one person I was talking to go, man, he plays right tackle, how can he be uh, one to go in the top, uh, you know, ten? And I was like, man, you got to realize two is a left-handed quarterback. So uh, if you're the right tackle uh, with a left-handed quarterback, you are the best tackle on the team. Okay. If they had a right-handed quarterback, I guarantee you would have been playing left tackle. But somebody's got to protect that blind side. Um, and that's what Jaderic uh, Wills did for him. 
I think he's a hell of a player too. I think he's got uh, some intangibles, but I still think Makai uh, Becton is a tad bit better. Uh, at nine, uh, you know, in talent-wise, I see uh, Jerry Jury, the wide receiver from Alabama. That kid can scoop. That kid can make a lot of different catches. He can make a difference in his first year uh, wherever he goes. Um, you know, I'm excited about him. And at 10, uh, another quarterback from Oregon here. Uh, we got Justin Herbert, all right? Kind of that hometown kid from Oregon who played in the same town that he got to go to college in. It's, 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 a, it's a Cinderella story for that kid. But he is a very good prospect, too. I, I know there's going to be three or four uh, quarterbacks taken tonight, uh, but I don't see Herbert getting taken uh, till later on. I just think these are my ten, and the talent level uh, of what I see is the top ten. Um, but let me get into what I know, what I, I mostly know because I pay attention to New York Jets. That is the team that I follow. Um, you know, a lot of them, they, they want us to take uh, the wide receiver there, Jerdy, from Alabama, which the thing about the Jets is we got a lot of holes to fill in right now. Um, you know, and I think the most, the biggest hole that's sitting there is offensive line. They were atrocious last year uh, at protecting. Uh, they had a, I guarantee you, they didn't have the same starting lineup uh, for consistent weeks. Like when you've got to jumble the old line, Every week, it's very uh, difficult for those five guys up front to play congruently and to play uh, together. You really learn how to play with each other when you get that that, that familiar, uh, you know, with each other. Where you guys play, you almost you don't even need to make calls. You know what that person's going to do. You know, things happen like that. Uh, but I want to see, you know, the Jets can do one of two things with multiple holes that they got to fill. Um, they can either take the best tackle available which if um, Mekhi Becton is sitting there, I would expect for them to draft him. I hope he's sitting there. That's the pick that I want to see at number 11. Um, I think he would be a staple in the league. I think he could be another DeBrickershaw Ferguson. I think he could be somebody that's going to be reliable uh, and very talented. Um, you know, I think that's more important than wide receiver at this point. But what else the Jets could do? I mean, they could trade back. If somebody... You know, let's say Becton's not available, he gets drafted. Let's say, let's just say tackles start flying off the board before 11 even gets to pick 11. I think that if the tackles are gone, that you really are the premier tackles, do not just draft uh, the number 27th best player uh, who could be another offensive tackle. Look at what we can do. Can we trade back? Can we gain picks? With so many holes, we need to see how many picks we can get. Um, because you got to get some wide receiver, you got to get some offensive linemen. Um, you still need uh, another pass rusher out there, somebody to really make a mark. Um, you know, there's just some things that you know are on the list of things to get, but you only got X amount of picks, which the Jets are in good shape. I mean, I think they got eight picks right now, uh, a few third round selections, a second round, and a first round. Uh, so they're going to get some really good, talented guys, but they need to fill in the holes that uh, you know. Last year was a very underachieved year for the Jets, if you ask me. Um, didn't uh, get the Le'Veon Bell push we were all hoping for. I thought Le'Veon Bell coming in, we're going to run the ball like nobody's business. Uh, with the inconsistency of that offensive line, uh, him really with the rust of playing the game showed. He couldn't just take over a game, make people miss. He had a very difficult time uh, running the ball. 
And, you know, he was a pass threat when he was at with the Steelers, so, you know, we didn't get to see a whole lot of that happen either. Uh, but when you got a man like Sam Darnold back there who's a guy who can – he's got the respect of some of the older guys in the league. Aaron Rodgers even likes this kid, all right? You need to find a way to protect him. He can do special things if we can protect him. Um, do need to get him a wide receiver. I mean, we got some good receivers in Crowder. You know, lost Robbie Anderson. Got a few things. He got, you know, Quincy Nunez out there. He's really good. But you need somebody who can really take the top off of defense. Uh, if they can find that, you know, if Jerry, you know, if he's available, you take him just because he's the best there. But if you trade back, get more value, I can see some sense in that. Um, but the Jets need to get healthy as well. I mean, um, you know, with both inside backers getting hurt last year, Avery Williamson, who I, they've been trying to trade for a while, uh, he's one of the better linebackers in the game when they picked him up a free agency. Um, you know, as well as C.J. Mosley, he got it was hurt, not hurt, groin issue. I mean, we just kept going back and forth. That guy playing the game's a big, big difference. I think they filled in some good holes so far in free agency with the offensive line, as well as they had some good, uh, re-signed some good people as well. Um, but they got a little ways to go. Uh, but the NFL drafts tonight. Um, get excited. Um, it's going to be different. I hope the picks don't take forever now that we, you know, the worst thing about the NFL draft has always been sitting there waiting forever for picks to come in, all right? My preach to you guys out there, the only time you should take that much clock is if you're shopping your pick. Otherwise, I mean, you should have multi, you had months and months of preparation for this. If one guy gets taken here and you're going to, you just subtract him off your board, what's the next available? All right, what were we looking for? What holes do we need to fill? It doesn't take uh, 10 to 15 minutes to figure out what you're going to do, all right, especially in your top five. The top five picks should just be listed, standing in a row going, pick one, Joe Burrow, pick two, Chase Young. I mean, just go, go, go. I mean, there's no question who people are drafting usually in these top. Let's get the Raiders. They always go completely out of nowhere with some pick nobody's ever heard of. Um, but... Um, you know, tune in for the draft. I mean, this is going to drop on Friday, so uh, the draft's all weekend. You get all seven rounds. Um, it'll be intriguing. You know, night one's kind of the, the big night, uh, and then once you get into those later rounds is really when you start getting some uh, guys you might not talk about in year one, but by year two and three, you're going to find some guys in that round uh, that are going to be big-time players for you down the line. I mean, you could go through the countless picks for people who weren't picked in the first round, uh you know, you could go to even uh, free agency signing guys that made rosters compared to guys drafted in the first round. Um, the only thing that happens in the first round, you get drafted, you get a better paycheck than the guys that don't. doesn't give you consistency in the NFL. So um, I know you guys are getting this dropped on you on Friday. Um, so basically, uh, you guys will be able to make fun of me uh, by the time this podcast drops on, uh, you know, tomorrow. You guys will have a chance to see a pre-draft of what I thought, uh, and maybe I'll even give you guys a little reaction next podcast uh, of how upset or how you know happy I am with what the Jets did. But uh, that's tonight starts at seven o'clock. Coverage starts at seven, uh, as well as I'll be watching all weekend. So uh, let's start wrapping up the podcast. Uh, we're going to go into our final two staples here, is what I like to call them in the podcast, where I have these always at the end. Uh, but let's start with the Netflix movie of the week. Uh, this week I'm going to 
nominate uh, Inglorious Bastards. Me and Matt Marshall uh, talked about it earlier in the podcast when we were talking about Quentin Tarantino movies. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's a good watch. It's violent. Um, if that's up your alley, go and watch it. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly, I believe you would enjoy it. All right. Now let's get into three and out. All right. First down. NFL Game Pass, people. I can't say this enough. It's still free right now to the end of May. All right. Get on there. Okay. Just last week, I watched the 2010 divisional game, the New York Jets versus the New England Patriots. One of my favorite games of all time. Okay. Nobody believed the Jets are going to win this game. All right. They win this game, they go to the second straight AFC championship game in two years. They go out, Mark Sanchez was the cue, guys. They go out, defense plays out of their mind, shuts down Tom Brady, uh, get the W. David Harris gets a huge pick within the first minute. Don't even score on that opportunity. Don't get me started on that. Uh, but it was a really good game. It was made famous by Bart Scott. We're at the end. He did the feel great, can't wait moment uh, when he flew in his airplane, talked to uh, Sal Palantonio, uh, and had a good conversation, one of the best interviews. You can go watch that if you want to. Go on YouTube, look up Bart Scott uh, interview with Sal Palantonio, and watch the remix music video. All right, second down. Okay, Apple, I'm talking to you, all right? I go to the grocery store. I got my, my mask on. I got to go look at my grocery list, okay? Let's make up. Let's get a patch through so I don't have to enter my number and keep touching my phone. I just want you to recognize the top part of my face and say, open, okay? It's the most annoying thing when I'm looking around trying to get my grocery list and everybody's looking around at me like, is this guy going to pull down his mask or is he going to punch in the numbers, all right? We live in 2020. Give me that technology. You guys got some time on your hands. Okay, third down. Madden League update. All right. The Jets are sitting at 3-1. and one. Had a first, you know, lost to Coach Alanskis in week one. Kind of a BS kind of game. He should thank the computer for a lot. Uh, but just beat my buddy Pete. Uh, Pete Man-I-Easy uh, got uh, walloped by the New York Jets. Uh, huge day for the running back. Um Pete, I know you're having a hard time dealing with that loss, but you gotta move on. We're into week four or week five now. You gotta move on, bud. Also, the Bears, all right? One of the worst teams in the league last year. For some reason, they are throwing out the most ridiculous numbers defensively I've ever seen. Are they for real? Are they not? All right. We'll find out what the Chicago Bears got. The Dallas Cowboys stinking as usual. They're terrible. Maybe the worst team in the league. Um but, hey, that's three and out. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the TW Podcast. Uh, tune in next week. Have a good one.